John 14 and 15, and the Bible says, Jesus is speaking, If you love me, keep my commandments. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? If you love me, keep my commandments. A lot of people today act like commandments aren't important. Jesus felt like they were important, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, this other comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So let's look at this together tonight. The Holy Spirit, our comforter. Lord, we thank you again for the Bible. We just are so grateful and privileged, Lord, to have your word. We thank you that it is indeed inspired of God. That it's the very word of God for us. We're grateful that we can read it and And Lord, not only read it, but seek to understand it and apply it, benefit from it, love it, live by it. And so tonight, help us, help us to learn more. And for for those who've been in the faith for a while and and are aware of these things, help us to grow and increase and, and appreciate, Lord, the person of the Spirit of God. And I pray for those here tonight that have never come to know the Lord, never experienced what it is to have salvation, to have the Spirit of God living within, the new life in Christ. I pray that tonight the Holy Spirit would work in their hearts. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to begin tonight by just talking about something that we all know, we're all aware of, but it, but it says direct, direct application and implications in our text tonight. And that is that we have to deal with sorrow in life, the reality of sorrow. Now, Jesus is comforting these disciples, those who are closest to him. And as we've mentioned in this lesson, we mentioned frequently, he was about to leave them. And the, the, these famous words that begin this chapter, if you look there at the first of John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Don't don't let this get you down. Don't be troubled by this. And I don't know about you, I don't think I can really relate personally to the trauma, the emotional trauma of knowing that Jesus was going to leave if I'd spent three years with him. But it was real. It was very real. And so he's comforting them about that. In John chapter 16, if you'll look over there, John chapter 16 and verse 5, he says, But now I go my way to him that sent me. He's preparing these closest men, these men who were a part of the inner circle, his disciples, Now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I've said these things unto you, because I've told you I'm leaving, sorrow hath filled your heart. 
Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Sorrow had filled their heart. Sadness had filled their heart. And again, the simple reality is that you can't live without sorrow. We can't live without grief. We can't live without emotional pain. Nowhere in this passage, nowhere in this message, nowhere in these texts does the Bible ever say you will live a life free from sorrow or free from grief. But he does say, I will comfort you. I will be there for you. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He is our comforter. Nobody can live without grief or sorrow. Uh, Turn with me if you would, please. And we're going to look up a number of passages tonight. But go to Psalm 142. Like many of you, I know that many of you feel this way. I just love the Psalms and read it almost every day of my life. Psalm 142 and verse 3. This is David. I'm talking about people have sorrow. David was a man acquainted with with sorrow and grief and despair and loneliness. Psalm, Psalm, uh, Psalm 142, when my spirit, in verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. Now, he, I don't think he's embellishing or exaggerating the struggle he's having. He's saying, my spirit was overwhelmed, but you know what he said? You knew right where I was. You knew my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they probably laid a snare for me. He's talking about this difficult time he's in. The very next chapter, Psalm 143, look in verse 4. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Now, David was a man after God's own heart. David had a very unique relationship to God, and yet he had emotional struggles. Don't you think Job knew what it was to have sorrow? Sure he did. You ever thought about that? What it's like? Come in and tell you, you know, that a great storm has come and your livestock has been wiped out and those who tend them have been destroyed and then news comes that your a storm has come and cyclone taking your children and families away. Just one thing after another after another. What do you, what do you think you'd be like? I think the hardest of hearts would be sorrowful, would be moved by that. The Apostle Paul, he was a man who dealt with isolation, he dealt with betrayal, he dealt with rejection. But even Jesus himself said this, these were the words he said at one point, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Right? Sorrow is a part of life. We all have to face it. We need to face the fact that we all have to face it. Emotional pain. Maybe the death of a loved one. Maybe the betrayal of a close friend. Maybe some disappointment. I thought thought you were going to talk about our comforter. I am. But I just want you to know we all need a comforter. Because all of us have troubles. All of us have problems. And you can't avoid them. But I'll tell you what we need to avoid. Please don't miss this. We need to avoid letting them make us bitter. We're all going to have them. Grief is natural. Grief is natural. 
But it can become destructive and disabling. It can be over, it can be over, it can be uh, really bring a person to a place of despair. Grief is an emotion. God has made us emotional creatures, right? Now, maybe, maybe you're one of the people that are more emotional than others, but all of us have emotions. Some of you are smiling like that's me. God has made us emotional creatures, but God never intended for our emotions to control our lives, right? Our emotions don't have to drive our lives. And grief is an emotion. One of the things I find fascinating in the Bible, and I thought about looking up some of these, but I'm not going to do it tonight. But there are numerous times in the Old Testament when God put time limits and restrictions on how long you could mourn. We're going to mourn for these, this many days. We're going to set aside this many days to be mourning. We're done with our mourning. You say, how can you do that? Because our emotions shouldn't control us. Right? One of the most amazing passages, I've preached it a couple of times in other places, but I've never preached it here, is about Ezekiel. And God did this with Ezekiel and through Ezekiel for a reason. But this is what Ezekiel said. In the morning, I, I preached or I talked. Here's the, here's the language. I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. In the morning I talked, in the evening my wife died. And in the morning I was back at teaching and ministering. Now I'm not saying I can do that. I'm not saying I would do that. I'm not saying I'd want to do that. I'm not saying, but I'm just telling you this. Sometimes we let grief run our life in sorrow. It's an emotion. We ought to feel it. There's something wrong with a person who does not feel sorrow. I was just reminiscing a little bit today, and the older you are, the more you can relate to this. Because honestly, and I don't say this to any way to be critical or negative, but a lot of young people have never really been through a sorrowful experience. I mean, maybe they were out of, maybe they were out of uh, Cocoa Puffs one day, and they thought, and they thought the world had come to an end. But most young people, but I can distinctly remember the first, the first experience I had with sorrow and grief. And it was the death of a cousin of mine. It was actually my dad's first cousin, but also it was my dad's best friend, Dan Wilson. And um, I was 17 now, I'd lost loved ones prior to that. My great grand, couple of great-grandmothers had passed away, but it wasn't the same. And this young man um, was driving home. He'd been at our, we were out in East Texas, and he'd been, he was driving home to the Dallas area where he lived and apparently fell asleep, drove off the road, hit a pillar in a highway, and killed him instantly. And I saw firsthand for the first time a way that impressed itself on my memory how grief and sorrow can be. And I saw it in my family. I saw it in my dad. Five months later, my dad died. And uh, I remember it so vividly. I'd been with him in the weekend. Mom and dad were divorced. I'd been with him in the weekend. Came back to Dallas area where we lived. Worked the midnight shift. Was awakened in the morning. Sleeping in the morning. Went to the hospital, he was in a coma, and he never came out of it, and he died that night. So, I, so then I began to learn as a, a young adult, 18 years old, what it means to have sorrow, right? What it means to have grief, what it means to deal with loss. It's real. 
We lost our, we lost a lot of loved ones, of course, but but then when my mother died in 1992, I experienced a level of sorrow I'd never experienced before. And I'm, you know, I know it's, I, like I'm saying, any of you could experience, any of you know what this is like. I'm not talking about just a small thing like your dog died, and I don't, don't be offended because I don't think your dog is the same as a person, but, you know. This was an overwhelming sorrow for me when Mama died. And... I remember standing at her grave right after a day or two after she died. I was alone. I was out there at the graveside just thinking about her and missing her. And there was grief that came out of me. I wouldn't call it crying. It would be more like wailing because I felt such sorrow. I'm just telling you, we, we, have, we go through life in sorrowful experiences. When our grandbaby passed uh, Jordan, you know how hard that was for our church, really, and for our family. And I'm, and I'm saying all that to say that that's, not the, that's a kind of grief, but that's not the only kind of grief there is. The, most, the, most, the heaviest sorrow I ever felt in my life was not when my mama died. It, wasn't, you know, it was when people that I loved in, in God's work betrayed me and turned from me. And, and I'm, not, I'm talking about... Great sorrow. We feel great sorrow in life. And it's a mistake. And I'm not, I'm not saying this for any other reason than just to, number one, prepare you for life. Life can sometimes be painful. Right? It can be painful. But that's why we need a comforter who can comfort us in our sorrow. Who can comfort us. And what we're looking here in John 14, 15, and 16, and 17 is the sorrow of these disciples. How can we go on without Him? How can we manage without Him? Nothing will ever be the same. Nothing will ever be the same without Him. And yet Jesus says there's a promise of comfort. You know, one of the Beatitudes says this, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. Think about that phrase. Blessed are they that mourn. What does the word blessed mean? Not, probably not a one of us, if we were given a quiz and asked, what do you think sorrow and grief is? Most of us would not say it's a blessing, right? Blessed are they that mourn. The, the word blessed means that to be fortunate, to be well off, to be happy. Blessed are they that mourn, those that lament, those that grieve. Why? Because they will be comforted. And the word comforted is similar to the word that we're looking at here in our text, the comforter. Go with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I would encourage you to be familiar with this passage. It's just a good go-to place uh, on this matter of comfort. Verse 3 says, Blessed be God, Paul writing to the second, this epistle to the Corinthians, his second epistle. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. We just heard tonight about this great mercy of God. 
the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. Then look in verse 4. Who comforteth us in many of our tribulations. Is that what he said? No. Who comforteth us in most of our tribulations. And comforteth us in some of our tribulations. No. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So who is it that comforts us? God comforts us. The Bible says in verse 3, he's the God of all comfort. What, what, what trials, what tribulations, what troubles, what problems, what distresses does he comfort us in? All of them. Right? All of them. He wants to comfort us in all of our tribulations. And how? why does he do that? That we may in turn be able to comfort others with the same comfort wherewith we are comforted of God. Verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, which is another word for comfort, also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your com- consolation or comfort and salvation, which is the effectual, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Ten times in those few verses, the word comfort or consolation are found. He comforts us in all our tribulations. Uh, you're in Second Corinthians. Just turn to the right a few pages to chapter seven. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse five. For whether we, for when we, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Corinth is not in Macedonia. Corinth is in Achaia, further south. Macedonia to the north. When we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Sounds to me like Paul's had some struggles, right? Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. Now we we would probably like to think that Paul never struggled emotionally. That he never got down. That he never, you know what I'm saying? But he did. Right? He did. And if he did, I'm sure I will. And I'm sure you will. But you know what he said? God comforted us. And he comforted us through this message that Titus brought about how the church was doing. He comfort, it was comforting to him. All comfort comes from God. Yes, and, and it may come in a way that you don't understand, the way that I don't understand. But really it comes from God. He's the one that comforts us. Right? He's the, he's the great encourager. God is. And you may, and, and, I, and I would advise you, I'd encourage you to be always aware that really he may be encouraging you in ways you may not recognize. You know? 
we had a little deal happen this uh, past week where an order, someone ordered some materials from our bookstore and, and um, there was a mix-up on it just recently. And, and what happened was they, they didn't get their order in time. I, I, you, I don't know that you want to know all these details, so I'm explain it to you. And um, so the, the order was canceled online. Their money was refunded. And so we had to call them and talk to them about that. So I called this man. Didn't know him, as they say, didn't know him from Adam. But I was interested because Jed, I said he lived in Canton, Texas. And that's only about 20 minutes from where our family lives. So I wanted to call this guy and talk to him. And I didn't know him and didn't know how I knew him. But he, he told me that... Um, how much he'd been helped by some of our materials, the devotional books and things of that nature, and how he, would, he gives them away and different things, told me where we had, our paths had crossed. But I say all that to say this. You know, here I make this call to take care of some business, and that's all I was doing was taking care of some business. But what I did not know was God was going to use this to really encourage me. I hung up the phone and said, God, I needed that. God encourages us. God comforts us. And sometimes it's in ways that we may not recognize, we may not understand. He is the God of all comfort. Now let's go back to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, in verse 16, Jesus says, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. He said, I'm going to pray for you that he'll give you another comforter. And I'm, if I'm sitting there and I'm listening to what Jesus is saying, I, I'm going to say, I don't want another comforter. I want you. You've been our comforter. You've been with us. You've helped us. You've strengthened us. You've lifted us up. You've corrected us. You've taught us. I, we don't want another teacher. We want you. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. And the word there that's translated as comforter is found numerous times in the New Testament, various forms of it, parakaleto, parakletos. In uh, all of the paraklete, these all words have to do, it's a descriptive word talking about someone coming alongside you, being there with you, assisting you, helping you, being an aid. It's found throughout the Bible. Um, could I... Could we just take a bit of an aside moment? We're going to come right back here to John, but I think this would be worth our while. Go with me, if we could, to the book of Galatians to the right. I want to talk about the word another, just briefly. Galatians chapter 1. And don't let this distract you from the message. I think it'll, it ties in. Galatians chapter 1, Paul is writing in... Verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now that's a very interesting use of words. He said, I marvel that you've been removed Unto another gospel which is not another. Another which is not another. 
And the reason I take the time to mention is because another is not always the same. If I say to you, I have a a car here on the church parking lot and I have another car at home, does that make sense to you? But, but one of these words describes that another, and another, and, and another word describes the other another. So you got it? Okay, let's go on. Look at the word in, in Galatians 1.6, the word uh, another. And I've, if you're in the habit of writing in your Bible, beside that, I have the word heteros. H-E-T-E-R-O-S. Heteros. And that means another of a different kind. That's, that, I have a car here, but I have another car at home. It's a, it's a Ford pickup. It's the dream of every driver, it's a, right? Uh, but it's not the car out here. It's, a, it's another, but it's another of a different kind. I marvel that you've been called unto the gospel of Christ, unto a move, unto another gospel, one, another of a different kind, verse 7, which is not another That word another is a translation of the word alos, A-L-L-O-S. It means another of the same kind. One is another of a different kind. It's still another, but but one is another of the same kind. The word that's used in, in John chapter 14 when Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter, is alos. Another just like the comforter you have. Another of the same kind. They, they didn't want another one. But Jesus said, it's going to be the same. It's going to be, he's going to be just like me. Not kind of like me, not sort of like me. He's going to be just like me. The comforter that Jesus sent was another just like Jesus. And in John 14, where I have my Bible open, he says he, that he, this other comforter, just like me, that he may abide with you forever. Well, there is, the only difference is not a difference in character, it's not a difference in ability, it's not a difference in agenda. The only difference is they could see Jesus, but they could not see the Holy Spirit. But He's just like Jesus. He's just like Him. And He will abide with you forever. I preached a sermon many years ago on this subject, the the answer... For the absence of Jesus. And you know what the answer for the absence of Jesus is? Another one just like him. John 16, we're still in John's gospel. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now that's an interesting phrase, expedient. It's expedient for you that I go away. It's expedient for you. Not just expedient for me. Now, what does the word expedient mean? He means it's good, it's profitable. Jesus said, hey, I'm fixing to leave you and it's good. It's going to be good for you. How can that be? How can it be that anything would be better than having Jesus with us? Because he said, if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. It's good for you. The Holy Spirit will come. And He dwells within us to help us, to strengthen us. And aren't you glad about that tonight? 
You know, we need comfort. We have sorrow, we have disappointment, we have discouragement sometimes. We all, well, maybe not everybody, but most of us do. I do. You can't avoid it. You can't avoid it in life. But the good things is the comforters come. He lives within us. And we need that comfort. By the way, there's a difference between pity and sorrow. Sympathy and empathy and pity has its place. If you say, I I just really feel sorry for that person. It has its place. You're feeling sorrow for that person. But you know what? It doesn't help that person. And in reality, in reality, if if um, if Isaiah is having a problem, which he never does have a problem, but if he had a problem, if he were to have a problem, and it was a really a tough problem, because Josiah's giving him a hard time, right? Um, then I could, I could, and he's down about, I could say, Isaiah, I really feel sorry for you. And you know what? That may, that may help him a little bit, saying, well, somebody cares about me. That's what pity is. It's feeling compassion or sorrow. But, it's, but that, may not, that won't comfort him. It just helps him a little bit to know that somebody's noticing he's hurting. But there's, and so pity, there's a place for pity, but we don't just need pity. We need comfort. We need someone to comfort us. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He he comforts us, number one, in His presence. He's always with us. He's always with us. You say, well, I can't feel Him. Well, if you're saved, you don't have to feel Him. He's with you. You can talk to Him. He listens. Now, I know some people get upset when you talk about about talking to the Holy Spirit, but he's He's the person of the Godhead. He's with you. You're never alone. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. You may feel like no one cares, but someone does care. He's, he, he comforts us in His presence. He comforts us with His promises. He reminds us. Remember what Jesus said when He comes? He will, he will remind you. He will bring to your remembrance things that I've taught you. He does that sometimes. He, he, when we're going through difficulties, He will let us know. You say, how does He let us know? He, he brings it to our remembrance. He'll guide us in the Scripture. He comforts us. He comforts us with promises. Promises of God's love. Promises of God's watch care. Promises of God's peace. He gives us these promises. He leads us. to. He comforts us. You know, hopelessness is a horrible place to be, isn't it? Being hopeless, without hope. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people find themselves there. But for a Christian, we're never without hope. We may not feel good. We may not know how it's going to come out. We may not, you know, you ever have one of these things, just one bad thing happens, another bad thing happens, you wonder, is there any end to this? And you think, is it just going to continue? to get worse, and, and, and sometimes we feel that way, and we, we're, we better be careful not to let our emotions drive us. But when we have God, we have hope. Amen. He gives us hope. And He comforts us. He comforts, he comforts us with perspective. 
Sometimes God lets us see things in a way that we couldn't see them. Like when you go through something and you realize, like that 2 Corinthians 1 passage, when you go through something and you realize, you know, maybe God's letting me go through this because there's someone down the road I can help. Does God ever do that? Sure He does. Sure He does. He helps us have a... By the way, I think perspective means a lot. The way you see, the way you see your circumstances, see your situation... So the Holy Spirit is our comforter. We look, we look to God, we look to the Bible, we look to His truth, we turn to God, and He comforts us. The devil hates us. Have you figured that out? The devil hates us. And he hates our God, and he hates this Bible. And he wants us to be fearful, and he wants us to doubt, and he wants us to, he wants us to be defeated. And, and, and if, we, if we were just left to ourselves, if I was left to myself, to my own reason, to what I can see, then I would find myself there. But we're not left to ourselves. We have a comforter who lives within us. He does. And He does comfort us. Amen? He does. Now I think this is true, and I'm going to close with this. And I think this is true about any aspect of the Holy Spirit's ministry in us. We've talked about His leadership. We've talked about His teaching. We've talked about His enabling, how He gifts us. We've talked about His power, how He empowers us, He quickens us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens us. All these things the Holy Spirit does in us. But I think it's, I think it's accurate to say that the more He has of us, the more we see these things fulfilled in our life. The more He has of us. You, you can't, this, it's, it is a false narrative to think that you need more of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have all the Holy Spirit. He just wants more of you. He wants more of us. He wants to control us, fill our lives. He wants us to get out, you know, The best day of your life, the best days of your life are the days that you begin the day saying, Lord, I don't want to live in the flesh. I don't want to depend on myself. I don't want to do my own thing. I want to die to self. I want to yield myself to you. I want you to fill my life and wherever and however and whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do. Those will be the best days of your life. And the more he fills us, the more He teaches us. The more He fills us, the more He leads us. The more He fills us, the more He enables us. The more He fills us, the more He empowers us. And the more He fills us, the more we experience His comfort in our life. A person who says, well, I know I'm saved, but I don't, I don't ever see Him leading me, and I don't ever feel like he's comforting me and I can't ever tell that he's equipping me and I don't know that he's ever teaching me. What that says to me is that maybe there's too much of you and not enough of him. Does that make sense to you? We want him filling our lives. I need his comfort, right? And one of the marvelous things about being a pastor for as long as I've been the pastor is to see people who've gone through deep valleys 
that found comfort in those valleys. It's just amazing, you know. I, someone made an impression on me. They're not at our church any longer. But I hadn't been pastor very long at all. I was, you know, very young, probably in my 20s. And in a tragic accident, uh, this woman lost her husband. It was terrible. Grief, sorrow, I'll never forget it. But you know what I saw? I saw this young widow comforting other people. Going to the home of the person who was driving the vehicle that took the life of her husband to comfort that person. I'm telling you, God can comfort us. Amen? Some of you have been through it. I look around this room and just see people who've been through. You know, I remember when Debbie lost her husband and different ones, and how is it? We were young. We were so young. And, uh, and we still are, right? <laughs> but to see how God helps people. God helps people. People with, not just, people with big problems. People with life-shattering problems. God helps people. Aren't you glad about that tonight? He's the comforter. We need His comfort. We ought to, we ought to trust Him to comfort us when we need it. And we ought to comfort one another as He allows us to do that. Amen.